Exodus 14, beginning at verse 13. And Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Stand still. See the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. Just recall here for a moment. Men, they're trapped by the sea. The sea is in front of them. The Egyptian army is behind them. And what does the Lord say to Moses? Why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. Lift up your rod. Stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians and they shall follow them. So I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army, his chariots and his horsemen. Then the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gained honor for myself over Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. And the angel of God who went before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them. The pillar of cloud went from before them and stood behind them. So it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. Thus it was a cloud and darkness to the one, and it gave light by night to the other, so that the one did not come near the other all that night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night, and made the sea into dry land, and the waters were divided. So the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on the dry ground. The waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. And the Egyptians pursued and went after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and horsemen. Now it came to pass in the morning watch that the Lord looked down upon the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud, and he troubled the army of the Egyptians. He took off their chariot wheels, so they drove them with difficulty. And the Egyptians said, Let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea that the waters may come back upon the Egyptians on their chariots and on their horsemen. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and when morning appeared, the sea returned to its full depth, while the Egyptians were fleeing into it. So the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. The waters returned, covered the chariots, the horsemen and all the army of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. Not so much as one of them remained. But the children of Israel had walked on dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. So the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Thus Israel saw the great work which the Lord had done in Egypt. So the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. Remember who drowned the children of Israel? The boys? Pharaoh did, right? And now the Lord drowns them. That's the story we're talking about today, Jasmine. That's right. You can follow that picture. <clears throat> so, beloved in Christ, you know, sometimes I really think the, the church feels trapped. Sometimes it feels trapped. And there's that real strong pressure to compromise with the, the norms of our culture. And our culture says certain things, and it just doesn't fit with what Jesus says, what the Bible says. You know, the beautiful thing is God saves us from 
what the culture calls norms. He gives us the light to be the light. His salvation makes us break from the culture around us and from the darkness around us so that we become a different people, a people that belong to the Lord. That's what salvation does. It makes us separate. It makes us different from the people of the world. You notice here that God provides the path for our salvation in Christ. And that salvation does not come from us. It all comes from him by his grace. And that's what's pictured for us in Exodus 14 this morning. The path through the Red Sea. Israel, God's people, passing through the Red Sea. Exodus 14, Israel finds itself in a very difficult position. At a real difficult time when it was really a difficult time to trust God. Because the enemies look so powerful. They look so big, look so dangerous. What are God's people called to do? To compromise? To go back to them? No. God says, stand still. You trust me. See the salvation of the Lord. And you will experience calm. You'll experience peace in the midst of the surrounding circumstances. And you see in this passage before this morning, the Lord makes a path for his people. And in making a path for his people, what does he do? He drowns the unbelievers. He destroys the Egyptians. And from this, we see, first of all, that we are to see the salvation of the Lord. It's, it's an encouragement for us to continue trusting the Lord because he's sovereign. He's sovereign. There is none that can challenge his sovereignty. Not even the most wicked pharaoh. They can challenge it, but there's no way that he can topple God. So see the salvation of the Lord. That's most of our passage. And then we have one verse that talks about responding to that salvation of the Lord. Verse 31. But see the salvation of the Lord. Who's pursuing Israel, God's people? The enemies of God. The Egyptians here. And what are they trying to do? They're trying to take away the salvation that God had brought for them and bought for them. They want to take God's people away from Christ and make them their own. They want them to make their own property, but they belong to the Lord. And Satan tries to do that to us today too. It's really no different. He tries to take us away from Christ. Because sometimes we see that being in Christ brings all kinds of conflict and trouble in the world. So we start becoming more like the world. The Bible reminds us that our adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking those whom he devour. Our three powerful enemies, what are they? Satan, the lust of the flesh, or the desires of the sinful flesh, and the world. Satan, the world, and the desires of the flesh, sinful desires. And these things want to have power over us. These things want to have control over us. And that's really what we see pictured here. Pictured here in Pharaoh and his army. You know what? In and of ourselves, we're too weak to stand against these powerful foes. There is no way. In our own strength, Education can't stop us. Uh, our status can't stop us. 
Nothing can stop us from succumbing to those forces. And that's what you see with the people here. They're totally helpless before the sea. <laughs> totally helpless. They're helpless before these powerful forces that's going to overthrow them. And what does God command Moses? Moses, you tell the people to move forward. In other words, don't look at them. But you look to me. You trust me. Move forward where? Into the sea? That seems impossible. That seems ridiculous. That seems... We can't do that. No, into the sea. Yes, move forward by faith into the sea. And salvation always... It, salvation is impossible apart from the Lord. It is impossible. But watch the Lord. You see his powerful hand. What does he tell Moses to do? Moses, you lift your rod. And that rod, of course, was the symbol of God's hand, right? The rod is, you could say, the hand of the Lord. And you stretch it over the sea. Stretch it over the sea, and I will divide it. And the children of Israel shall go through the midst of the sea, and I indeed will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they shall follow them. So I will gain honor of Pharaoh and over all his army, his chariots, and his horsemen. Those two things here, if you look at verses 17, 18, 19, sorry, 15, 16, and 17, uh, you see two things here about God. First of all, he's sovereign over what? Creation. All of creation. The sea. He made it. <laughs> he's sovereign over it. And the second thing is, he's sovereign over the hearts of your enemies. He's sovereign over the those of the hearts of the wicked in the world. First of all, notice his sovereign over creation. You see that in, in the rod of Moses, right? The power of God, the authority of God over all creation. What does he use it to do? He uses it to divide the waters of the sea and dry land appears. Now, when you think about that, what does that remind you of? Go back to creation. God is revealing himself as the creator here. Think back to Genesis 1, day 3. What did God command on the third day? God commanded on the third day, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together one place and let dry land appear. <laughs> and this is your God. You know the gods out there that we see in the parade today? They're nothing. It's nothing. But this is your God, the creator. And you know, creation, all the creation serves redemption. God's, re uh, God's redeeming purposes. The creator reveals himself here as the savior. He is going to make a path of salvation for his people. Don't you worry. Don't you worry about your enemies out there. Yes, be vigilant. But you show your vigilance by trusting in the Lord. But notice something else here. Not only sovereign over all creation, but he's sovereign over all creation. He's also sovereign over whom? All our enemies. All our enemies. And you see that here. What does he command? Moses? What does he say to Moses? He says, I indeed will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they will follow them. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gained honor for myself over Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. Wow. The hearts of the kings, right? Proverbs 16, 
are in the hands of the Lord. They can't do anything to his people apart from his permission. They're in his hands. So he's sovereign of all creation, and he's sovereign over the hearts of his enemies. Remember when Moses came to Pharaoh the first time? What did Moses say? Moses came in the name of the Lord, and he says, let my people go. What did Pharaoh respond? In defiance, he says, no way. Who is the Lord? Who is he? Who is he that I should obey him? I don't know the Lord. You don't know me, Pharaoh? You know, this would make people fear the Lord. Those who don't know him should hear this. They should fear the Lord. Tremble before him. Pharaoh. Let me show you who I am. I am the God who turns the Nile into blood, who fills the land with stinking frogs, who blots out the sun. I am the Lord, Pharaoh. World, I am the Lord. I am the Lord. Still Pharaoh is not repenting. Still Pharaoh is not obeying the Lord. You know, it's not just he's the Lord over Israel, his people. He's the Lord of the nations. He's the God of all creation. Beautiful Savior, Lord of the nations, Son of God, Son of Man. All creatures, all creation. Notice that, serve God in his redemption. Right? Creation serves redemption. The Lord will use creation to make a path of salvation for his people. See that? Right through the Red Sea. Right through the middle, or not through the middle, but right through the waters of the Red Sea. And you notice, God also gave a token of his presence a visible token of his presence with his people. Remember what that was? The pillar of cloud by day, the pillar of fire by night. Of course, today he's with us by his spirit, but that was already a shadow pointing to the fact that he's going to be with his people by his spirit. Back then it showed in the picture of the pillar of cloud by day, pillar of fire by night. That's how the Lord showed that he was present present with his people, protecting his people. But you notice something different in verses 19 and 20? All along... The pillar of cloud, the pillar of fire, goes before the people. They're in front of the people, leading and guiding. What does he do now? In the midst of danger, he moves. The angel of the Lord, in the midst of the pillar of cloud and pillar of fire, goes behind, moves behind the people of God, and he's going to protect them from behind. In other words, the enemy must hurt him first. They must hurt the Lord first before they will hurt his people. He will be their defense. He will be their protection. He will stand be, stand behind them. I love that verse in Isaiah 58, verse 8. The Lord is their rear guard. Right? He stands behind them. Beautiful. But you know what? There's something else here. By going behind them, who does he stand between? The Lord is the one who distinguishes between his people and the rest of the world. His people are people from all nations who believe in Christ, and you have the rest of the world. That's the main distinction that you see here. His people and the Egyptians. He stands between them. And something else here, too. Everything that is on the other side is complete darkness. 
complete confusion. That's the Egyptians. They cannot even move forward because it's so dark. But what do the people of God have? They have the light. They have the light of his word. They have the light of his presence. And that light is shining over them, before, over them as they are before that light. But it's all darkness behind him. All night long, it says in verse 20, he kept the Egyptians in the dark. That's evidence of judgment right there. When people are in darkness, it's already the evidence of God's judgment on them. And that's why, that's why the, the urgency of bringing the light of the gospel to the people, even though they live their lives very normally, but the fact that they're in the darkness is already evidence of God's judgment. And now you see the Lord showing his authority, the creator, the true and living God, showing his authority over the sea. Moses takes the rod, which is the arm of God, you could say, and stretches it over the sea. And suddenly, you see verses 21 to 25, the winds begin to blow really, really hard from the east. Yeah, God uses natural means. The winds, powerful eastern winds. And what happens? It pushes the water back so that the water begins to also divide. We read in the Bible, the waters were divided. And you think about that. It's the same God who comes to his disciples. Remember when Jesus was in the boat? He was fast asleep in the boat. And the disciples' boat will come up because of a severe storm. What does Jesus do? He rebukes the winds and the waves. And after he stills the storm, what does the disciples say? Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? That's Jesus. The Lord of the nations. The Lord over all. But you know, there's more here than... There's more here, and, and science can never explain it. Science cannot explain everything here. And it goes to show that by faith we accept what God says in his word here. What is, the, what is it that science cannot explain here? Well, you look at verse 22. You read that the water rose as a wall. When you think of a wall, you think of something straight. A wall on the left and the wall on the right. And between it was sort of wet ground. Dry ground, completely dry ground. And now you have the people of Israel, how many? Two million. If you have 600,000, according to Exodus 12, men, and then they're married, and then children, about two million, and then all their lives. Imagine how wide the path would have been. Probably would have been a very wide path with high walls of water. Notice two things here the ground was completely dry. Not marshy, not a little bit wet. And the waters were a wall. And I don't think science can ever explain it. You pour water, does it form a wall? It never does. It just levels out. It flows down. But not here. They stand up straight as a wall. And you notice the word for wall here does not refer to the height of, say, a small retaining wall. But the wall that's the word for wall that's used here in the Bible is a word that's used many times throughout the Bible, and it refers to the wall of a city. So extremely high wall, 
walls of the cities were apparently about 20 feet. So you can imagine, if it's that high, the, uh, the walls of the water in the Red Sea were probably about double the, the height of this room, 20 feet. Extremely high. As a matter of fact, if you go to Psalm 78, God refers to that through Moses, and he talks about how he made the water stand like a heap. <laughs> well, a heap is like a mountain. Do you believe that? Science can't explain it. It takes faith to believe it. And salvation is a gift of God by grace through faith. You know, the pathway through the Red Sea was a deep channel, not a shallow path through mud. You hear many people, even preachers, explain and say, well, it wasn't really the Red Sea. It was the Reed Sea, they will say, and it was marshy and about a few inches of water. And there's a story, maybe you've heard of it before, of a teacher in a classroom. And as she was teaching, she was referring in her lesson to the, to the crossing of the Red Sea. And then there's a child who shouted, Praise the Lord! He says, Taking all of Israel through the deep waters. What a mighty miracle! And the teacher who did not believe the Bible said, My child... Do you really believe the water was that deep? She said they only passed through a bit of mud, maybe about six inches of water. Wow, said the child. That's even a greater miracle. Can you imagine? All the Egyptians drowned in six inches of water. Okay. What the Proverbs say? Answer a fool according to his folly. It's a fool would say that and that fool needs an answer answer a fool according to his folly lest he be wise in his own eyes brothers and sisters it's true it's historical and if we start doubting this why should you really believe that Jesus of Christ that Jesus really arose from the dead bodily and physically it has to do with our salvation and it's very reasonable to believe it because this is God he made the heavens and the earth. He can do this. It's reasonable to believe this. And it's wonderful because he did this for his people. It's real. It's true. If you were there, you would have seen it. But we weren't there, and God tells us about it. Yeah. So, but you know, unbelief, think about it. Unbelief is the very reason why the Egyptians perished. And this is, this is very significant in this passage as well. They were destroyed because of their rebellion against the Lord, because they did not give honor to the Lord who had created them in his image. They devoted themselves to other gods. Perhaps some of them were very nice people, but they did not give honor to the Lord to whom all honor and glory is due. And that makes God's justice totally true, totally fair, totally right he's God they were drowning his people and now he drowns them he is just his ways his ways are righteous his ways are true yes while pursuing Israel we read the Lord looked out of the pillar of cloud he looked down and what does he do he looks upon the Egyptians 
And he throws that mighty army of the enemies of God into total confusion, into a panic. They're in the darkness. They have no clue what's happening. Psalm 77 indicates that the Lord sent a severe thunderstorm, earthquakes, and lightnings. And things started getting wet. And the wheels started spinning and getting stuck and started coming off the chariots. And then you hear this penetrating cry, Let's get out of here! They begin to see that the Lord is not fighting for them, but the Lord is fighting against them, fighting for his people. They begin to see, they begin to realize the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Let's get out of here. They never repented of their sin. And you see them going into the watery grave, perishing in their sin, in their sins, with the Lord's name on their lips. The Lord kept his promise. You will know. You will know who I am. Think of the last day. Everyone. Everyone will bend a knee before the Lord Jesus Christ unto salvation or unto damnation. For for the Egyptians, it was too late. And so will it be for all the enemies of Christ when Christ returns. That's what the Lord says today. See the salvation of the Lord. It's a call to all the nations. What a dreadful picture you see here in verses 26 to 29. A dreadful picture. The Lord said to Moses, Now you stretch out your hand over the sea. This is the second time he says it. But now so that the waters may come back on the Egyptians, on their chariots, on their horsemen, And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And when the morning appeared, the sea returned to its full depth. Full depth even indicates that it was a deep, deep river. Full depth. Well, the Egyptians were fleeing into it. You know, the Bible here pictures the waters filling in from the front of the sea, from the shores. So it's filling up. And they're trapped in the center. And the waters are coming from before them behind them. They're running into each other. They're running. They don't know which way to run anymore. They run this way, this way, but wherever they, they run, they're running into the walls of the water. Chaos. Judgment. Oh, there you see a picture of it. This really happened. Although it was a lot deeper than that and probably wider. This is the Lord's hand right here. The power of the Lord. Thank you, Jasmine. Yeah. But yes, um, and this really points to the last day. Because if you look at Revelation 18.21, God is the same. He hasn't changed. He comes to those in grace who believe, but to those who do not, he says, there's no other way. Revelation 18.21 tells how the city of Satan will be cast where? Into the sea. There's an allusion here, isn't there? To the Red Sea. And God will be glorified. And it even says that his people will sing hallelujah. Why? Because God is glorified in the damnation of the Egyptians and all who do not believe in him. He's glorified in that. How can that be? He's God. 
He's God. Salvation, glory, and power belong to our God, for his judgments are true and just, says Revelation 19. Wow, this is our God, the true and living God. Today we see a greater, fuller, and richer salvation. God made a path through Christ. He's the path of salvation. See Jesus, crucified, and risen the path of the Red Sea is fulfilled in Jesus what did he do? he passed through the walls of death and came out victorious on the other side saving his people but crushing his enemies on the cross were the enemies? he defeated the powers of sin and Satan and hell and now being united to Jesus by faith his death becomes our death. His life becomes our life as well. What's true of him is true of us. He has accomplished this for us and for all who belong to him. And there's nothing for you to do. Only believe. Only believe. The Bible says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? And that brings us to the response. Everyone responds to the true and living God. Everybody in the world does. Either in faith or not in faith. And you notice the response of God's people in verse 31. You notice, first of all, you see a certain fear. Israel saw the great work which the Lord had done in Egypt, and the people feared the Lord. And it's the same word that's used in verse 10. Remember when they were afraid of the Egyptians? But here, it means something different. Because here, the fear is the awe. They're simply awed by the power and the majesty of the Lord that was revealed at the Red Sea. They saw it on the shore. What did they see on the shore? Dead bodies. Dead bodies scattered everywhere. Bodies upon bodies upon bodies. Corpses, it says, on the seashore. The corpses of the Egyptians. But second, that fear was not the kind of fear that they had of the Egyptians. No, it was a fear of, in terms of the awe and power of the Lord. And that moves them to trust in the Lord who so loved them. They believed the Lord, says verse 31, and his servant Moses. Psalm 106 says, Then they believed his words. They sang his praise. Their faith showed by obeying the word of the Lord. Think about, what is it? Why did they cross the Red Sea? Hebrews 11, 29 says, By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land. So they obeyed. They showed their faith by obeying, and they showed their faith by worshiping and singing. (coughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. To God be the glory. Look what he has done to the enemy. Look what he has done for us by his grace. We don't deserve it, but by his grace, he brought us through. The Apostle Paul here makes a very close connection between passing through the Red Sea and Christian baptism. Very interesting. 1 Corinthians 10, 1 and 2, we read these words. All our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, 
all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Now we're not going to get into what it means baptized into Moses right now. But the point here is the Israelites passing through the Red Sea was a type of baptism. The Lord made a path for the church in the water, through the water, and at the same time swallowed up its anti-Christian enemies. Passing through the sea marked a definite break from Egypt, from the world. And likewise, Christian baptism, what is it a sign of? It's a sign of breaking from the old life of sin and coming to new life in Christ. And this means that baptized, as baptized Christians, you already have had your Red Sea experience. <laughs> it's already occurred. It's already been accomplished. When Jesus died and rose again, he did it for us. We were baptized into Christ, and now we are safely on the other side. Yeah, we're saved to serve the Lord. We are saved to be a worshiping community. We are saved to be a singing people. We are saved to be an obeying people, saved by grace through faith. And you know, we are saved from the world that hates God. We are saved from the world that worships its own idols. We are saved from the world that aborts and kills its babies. We are saved from the world that euthanizes seniors. We are saved from the world that perverts marriages. We are saved from the world that endorses gay marriages. We are saved from the world that glorifies greed and lust and coveting. That's the Lord's work. That's the Lord's work. See the salvation of the Lord who can rescue us who can rescue the world from these things. Many powers, uh, we are tempted by many powers, aren't we? And they're strong. We feel the temptation in us to be drawn away from Christ. But we must move forward together. Let's move forward together in his strength. In our strength, we will fail. No doubt, because the enemies are powerful. But the Lord is above all and over all and through all. We trust in him and his strength. And when we trust in him, we may know all those powers are puny before him. They are defeated powers. Let's be strong in him and know that better days are coming. Because there's a day coming when the Egyptians will be no more. All who persevere in Jesus will stand on the new shore of the Sea of Glass, spoken of in Revelation, singing the songs of Moses, singing the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and amazing are your deeds. Revelation, it says, O Lord God Almighty, just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Yeah, that's why we're here. We're here to tell the good news to the world that He is Lord. He's the only Lord overall, over the world. Throughout scriptures, God warns of the coming judgment, but through his word, he offers hope. He offers deliverance for all who repent and all who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ.
Jesus' words ring very true. Truly, truly, I say to you, he says, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has passed from death to life. Praise be to the Lord. Amen.